0: You may have noticed how oftentimes family members will share mannerisms. They will have similar facial expressions in the midst of a conversation. Sometimes you can tell right away that that two people are related simply by the way that they express themselves, and it's right there written on their face. And it happens as well with friends. Good friends that spend a lot of time together, sometimes they'll say different phrases that you can tell are in their circle of friend group or they'll they'll express themselves or just make those subtle little movements on the face that's almost hard to really put into words but you notice it. You can tell that yeah, they're definitely friends because they're 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 acting the same way. It's written right there. Which is a beautiful thing about human nature, how we, we tend to adopt the characteristics of our community. And there's, there's kind of a, a physical expression of that relationship. Wouldn't it be great if we could do the same with Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be great if people knew that we spent so much time with Christ, they could see it written on our face? That our mannerism our facial expressions, and the way in which we express ourselves all the time, just on a natural basis, they could see, that's Christ. When they would talk to us, when they would encounter us face to face, they would say, I have seen the face of God. People have said that before about some of the saints, where after encountering them, they feel like they saw God themselves. What's beautiful in the Catechism, chapter 17, not chapter, paragraph 1717, 17, in the Catechism it says that the Beatitudes are the countenance of Christ. Countenance is a fancy way of saying the facial expression of Christ. That if you want to see the face of Christ, it's right there in the Beatitudes. And those who really embrace these. Values, these eight ways of living, these eight attitudes, if those who who really live this out, you can see Christ in them pretty clearly. The Beatitudes are given today in Matthew's Gospel at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' most famous homily, his most famous sermon. And it's a couple of chapters in Matthew's gospel. And at the very beginning of the sermon, which you all know is the most important piece, because you have about like three seconds to catch the audience's attention. And about four seconds into it, they've already decided whether or not they're listening to you. And Jesus begins with happiness. He begins with, happy are you who are poor in spirit. Happy are you who? etc. He speaks to their happiness, which of course we all know, it's, that's what we want. Uh, blessed are they, the, the translation makarios and in Greek or Latin beatus, they both are translated as happiness. So Jesus is speaking to this this like universal human desire for happiness and he gives us a roadmap, except what's intriguing is that the eight things that he describes that are supposed to be happy, none of them sound that happy. In fact, almost all of them sound like things that we want to avoid. We don't really, it's curious, you know, it's, it's not typically what we, what we describe as happy. But nonetheless, these eight, you could say, core values of Jesus, Jesus lived them out Perfectly so much so that we could say that's the countenance of Christ like as we as we pray with these beatitudes and as we try to live them out we can we can really see the face of Jesus and we adopt those facial expressions we adopt this way of life and become the image of Christ to the world so what i'd like to do today is just spend some time it's not it's not that creative um, but we're just going to spend some time going through each one and defining them. Because I believe that, that these eight Beatitudes, it, it's kind of sometimes language that we just don't use that often. And so it's easy for these, these words to just kind of like go in one ear and out the other. It's easy for us to kind of not pay much attention to it and to, for them not really to sink in deep. But unfortunately, because they happen in Matthew's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel is during year A, and there's a three-year cycle for the liturgical year. We only get to hear this gospel once every three years, which is terribly unfortunate because it's the foundation of the whole moral life. It's the foundation of what it means to be Christian. I really believe we should spend more than just once every three years on this topic. So I'm just going to go through it. Um, And to be fair, yes, we do read the Beatitudes in St. Luke's Gospel Um, during the three-year cycle, but it's just not the same. It's a little bit more nuanced. Um, So today, I want to go through the eight just for what they are. So we'll begin. uh, Let's see. So the first beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what does that mean, poor in spirit? Well, the Greek word is ptokos, which is best translated as dependent, like needy. Which is interesting, right? I think what Jesus is trying to say is, um, on, on, in the literal sense here, those who are humble, those who are humble enough to depend upon God. Now, certainly there is a material uh, piece to this, like those who are materially poor, um, just by design, are more dependent upon others and upon God. So they're... In a, in a unique way, there's, there's a blessing in poverty, which is why you see a lot of great saints choosing poverty freely. But, but ultimately, what he's trying to say is it, it's really not the value of a dollar, but rather like your ability to be dependent upon the Lord, which 21st century Americans, we are the worst at this because we are so self-sufficient. Jesus says, blessed are those who are dependent, spiritually humble, dependent upon the Lord. Second one is, blessed are those who mourn. So we all know what it means to be sad, but, but it's not just because sadness is super neat. It's because we want to mourn sin and the effects and ramifications of sin. And the primary effect of sin is suffering. It's the primary reason why we have suffering in this world. And, and death being the final end of suffering. And so those who mourn, like blessed are those who mourn sin, who hate sin, who who, who are, um, are mourning the reality of sin in this world and all of the spiritual ramifications because of it. Blessed are those who are meek. What does that mean? The, the Greek word is praus, translated uh, as gentle. Now certainly you could say a lot about meek, but just keep it simple for today. We'll just, we'll say gentle. Blessed are those who are are not so harsh, not so um, you know, pridefully like trying to cause confrontation for just for the sake of winning and dominating and tearing people apart. Instead, blessed are those who are gentle enough to genuinely pay attention to others and to care about all the specific nuances of each individual person. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, So, uh, just think for a moment. We all hate to be hungry and we hate to be thirsty. Because it's like this, this like, the desire within us for something is so great that we feel it on a physical level. And so imagine being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So, what is righteousness? Um, another word for that could be holiness or justice. Ultimately, righteousness is to be in right relationship. With God and with others. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that, that that we, not only ourselves, but others, would be in the right relationship with God and with society. Blessed are the merciful. We know what mercy is, we talk about it all the time here, but ultimately, those who are quick to forgive, quick to forgive the faults of others, especially those who don't deserve it. Nonetheless, Jesus has shown us what mercy is like, and we should adopt that as well. Blessed are the pure in heart, the clean of heart. So the Greek word katharos is translated as clean or pure. So, you know, that the first century Jew, they're they all about being undefiled before they went into the temple to worship. And, and being undefiled was being like free from immorality, free from sin, like ble- being clean. But of course, in a particular way, we can translate this in terms of, of sexual immorality. So we, we want to be pure in mind and pure in heart. We want to uh, like have a purity about us so that we can see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who um, foster reconciliation. We know that the, the damage that division causes in all of its levels and degrees and places. So like those who like restore, those who renew, those who see broken relationships and and are able to foster some type of reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers. And the last one, blessed are the persecuted, particularly those who are persecuted for the sake of Jesus, persecuted for the sake of righteousness, those who are falsely accused, slandered, those who are reviled, those who are made fun of, gossiped about, those who are judged, all of those like things that we hate to endure, but those who experience that because of Jesus, happy are you. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. So um, I just think it's important for us to let that sink in. Like if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to be happy, if we want to flourish, if we like all all of that, if we really need to spend time with these eight Beatitudes more than just once every three years. We should really spend some time praying on this. We should really spend some time like, reflecting and adopting these habits in our own life. So very simply, I like to ask you guys a question for reflection each week. So this week, we'll just keep it simple. Which of these eight challenges you the most? Which of these eight strikes at you the most? Because eight's a lot, so let's just focus on one. How about one for today? Which one of these is the most challenging at this point in your life? So what I'll do is uh, just go through each of them one more time, but this time I'll give the, at least in my humble effort to uh, interpret the opposite of these, of these beatitudes. Uh, what I've told you so far comes from people smarter than me and, and scholars. What I'm going to tell you now comes from me, so take it for what it's worth. But uh, this is my effort to, to think of the opposite of each one. And, and as you think of the opposite, sometimes that might sting a little harder because we'll realize, oh yeah, too much truth. So the opposite of poor in spirit, I think, is to be self-reliant and controlling. To have way too much control over your own life and to even try to control others. You're self-reliant. Is that you? The opposite of those who mourn, I would say, are those who are desensitized by sin. They're just like, you know, numb to it. Like, oh yeah, they're like proud because they're not scandalized by anything, and and they you know they kind of laugh at sin and they almost celebrate sin sometimes. Those who um, the opposite of meek and gentleness, I would say those who are harsh in the not good way. Like, uh, you know, it's okay to, to like be bold and courageous, but like to be harsh. Like those who are like like tearing apart other people's hearts because of their quick reactions that are uncalled for. Because of their insecurities, they need to dominate others. Those people. (laughs) Basically me. (laughs) (laughs) That one hurts. Um, All right. The opposite of hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'd say those who neglect holiness, those who just don't care about being holy, those who are just concerned about their own life and having, having a good time, Those who are like, you hear about the, you might have heard the word acedia, uh, that that, uh, sin, that another word for sloth, uh, basically being lazy in the spiritual life, caring only about this world and not the other, not the the greater kingdom of heaven. Uh, Blessed are the merciful. So the opposite of merciful, those who hold grudges, they're resentful, you know, gossip about people that hurt them. Um. The opposite of pure in heart, so those who are impure in their thoughts, impure in their actions, um, those who are, are immoral and do things that we all know you shouldn't be doing. Opposite of peacemaker is those who are divisive, always full of drama, always just tearing people apart and breaking relationships and causing more and more division, you know, like always choosing sides and, and, um, and, and destroying through their divisiveness. Is that you? And the last one is persecutions. Um, those who are unfaithful to Christ, those who are lukewarm, basically they're so concerned about what others might think or say, they're so concerned about their reputation, um, that they will follow Christ whenever it's convenient, but not whenever it's hard. Is that you? So which one of those eight hit you the most. And perhaps that could be um, something that you bring to prayer, you know, maybe this week and next, like asking the Lord for that grace to live out the beatitude that you need most in your life right now. I want to challenge all of us. I, I believe that, you know, Jesus chose these core eight values on purpose. I want to challenge all of us to spend more time with these, like Maybe we need to print them out and put them on our mirror. Maybe we need to put them on our fridge or, you know, frame them and put them somewhere in the house so that we see them often. Put it at your desk at work or as a bookmark in your, uh, if you know, if you actually read books. So, like like, let's look at these values. Let's look at these eight Beatitudes a little bit more often. Let's pray with them. Let's live them out. And imagine if we all had the face of Christ. Imagine if this world could see the face of Christ more often. And we wouldn't have to go on YouTube just to Google Mother Teresa. Like, we talk about her all the time, but what if we had the face of Christ? What if the world saw it in us? How awesome would that be? How much happier we would all be? So that's my challenge for us today, just to very simply ask Jesus to help us live out all eight of these Beatitudes more often. Amen. Mm i